When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I am your host, Jared Perger. I am joined, as always, by my good friend and partner, Corey Geiger. Corey, big game this week. Penn State played in primetime once again. Another late night for us. Um, you know, and, and speaking of the lack of sleep, I was told by one of my friends this week that, that they turn uh, my podcast on and it puts their son uh, to sleep <laughs> at night. So... You know, I'm, you got I'm, that soothing lullaby voice. It's or either what? it's either that, or I'm so terribly boring that I'm just putting toddlers and children to sleep at I all will, ages. I will guarantee. No, I'm not putting anybody to sleep. I'm so freaking loud, Jared. Nobody's falling asleep while I'm talking. I tell you that. Well, I guess I have the <laughs> blessing of a, of a soothing voice, or or just a terrible voice that uh, people just you know fall asleep. Well, what I like is you, we're doing the podcast. You're doing the hand movements. You know how when people are talking, they're moving their hands. We're we're doing our recording here, and you, I like that. You're you're into this, right? And I'm just putting on a show for the people in the Walmart parking lot where we're recording right now. <laughs> uh, that's become our prime time uh, recording studio. Um, it's like probably the the zero zero like I don't know one in barely Italian than I am. Maybe it's all the spaghetti I ate when I was younger. But speaking of boring, let's talk about the Penn State offense. They scored 24 points against Indiana on Saturday night. And they left a lot of points out there on the table. Yeah. And, of course, the defense is the defense. And we really could talk all night about how great they were. But the offense is just kind of bland right now. Yeah, and I will say this, Jared, just so everybody's clear. I, I cannot. This is, It's Iowa week, man. It's Iowa week. I've been looking forward to this because we're truly going to find out about Penn State. And we're going to talk about Iowa in the second segment, just so everybody's clear. You want to you stick around for a lot. we got a lot of good stuff uh, as we try to figure out how good this Penn State team is. Because it was 24 nothing against Indiana. Don't you feel like it could have been 45 to nothing? I mean, really, a lot of points, I think, left out there. I do think Indiana came in with a game plan. They weren't going to let Penn State beat them deep. I think they might have talked about this on the broadcast, uh, the TV broadcast. But they wanted to keep everything in front of them and make Penn State earn it by driving the field. And that's where I do think this Penn State team is is still having some issues uh, putting together long, sustained drives. So Indiana had a pretty good game plan. But still, uh, in a 24 to nothing win, which is a nice score, covered the spread easily, um, it, it could have been a whole lot worse, Jared. Right, and 
and Penn State, to be perfectly honest, felt like they dominated the game. It just did not end up that way necessarily on the scoreboard. You win by three scores, which is or four scores, which is great, um, you know. But at the same time, there's just a lot left to be desired. And, and talking with Kevon Lee after the game, uh, there there is quite a bit to to grow on and learn from. I thought they established the run early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevon Lee had a big 44-yard gain. Uh, biggest gain of the night, uh, I believe, without looking at the stats. Um, so that is a plus. You need to get that run game. And, and, you know, a lot of it, I think, is just the devil's in the details up front. And once they figure that out, I think this offense can really hit another level. Had 200 yards rushing, average five yards per carry. That is That was something you really wanted to see. Now, the flip side, and again, we're going to get into more of this in, seg- in segment two with Iowa. The, the short yardage situations continue to be a problem. Indiana stuffed them on third and goal at the one, fourth and goal at the one. Uh, Some other situations Penn State struggled in in the short yardage. That's a problem. Uh, But in terms of the overall offense, Sean Clifford made some a couple of really nice plays. He scrambled out, and I think last year Sean Clifford would have just taken off and run with the ball. But on both of these plays, both touchdowns to Jahan Dotson, he stopped short of the line of scrimmage, had a defender in no man's land, and then flicked the ball to Jahan Dotson for a couple of scores. I thought that the was... The first one was Brenton Strange. Yeah, it was Brenton Strange. You're right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. But those were both good examples of Sean Clifford, the maturity from last year to this year. Now, on the, on the opposite side of that, he did make a couple of bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Not very many, but he did have an interception that... <laughs> Only to be upstaged by uh-huh. Indiana's poor decisions, and uh, specifically Michael Penix Jr., who ended up leaving the game with with what looked like uh, an upper body injury near in the shoulder area. But they they get the ball at the what thirteen or, or nineteen yard line, and they don't get the first down. Yeah, it's a thirteen. This was a key play in the game. This was a real key play. Uh, Clifford throws the bad interception. They return it, and on third down, third and ten. From the 13, Penix takes off and scrambles and runs. And look, I am a big fan of quarterbacks getting down because you can't just get crushed and hurt your team. That's a big factor for Sean Clifford. Penix got down, but he went down too quickly. And, and so instead of getting the first down, which he would have, I mean, he ha- he could have gotten the first down. Then you've got first and goal at the three. Mm-hmm. And if you score there, now it's a seven to seven game. Instead, it's fourth and goal at the one. I'm sorry, fourth and one at the four, and Penn State gets a stop. And now um, Indiana has lost any momentum. Penn State is able to get up 14 to nothing, and that that was really kind of it. But I I really thought, look, uh, Michael Penix Jr. is always going to be a part of Penn State football history. (laughs) That two-point conversion play last year Mm -hmm. was a great individual play by him. I thought the ball was out of bounds, but it was a a great play by him. And he's a good quarterback. He's having a bad year, though, Jared. And he did not look good Saturday. And then he got hurt, and I really wish the young man the best because, as they showed on the TV broadcast, uh, two season-ending ACL injuries and then an upper body injury a uh, couple years ago, and now this. I mean, that kid... He has meant a lot to the Indiana program and won a lot of games. I, I hope he's okay and can get back. Right, and, and you always hope for the best of health for him. But, Corey, would you say that uh, for once Indiana came up short? Oh, nice. Yeah, that's good. Um, it's just, you know, it's just the kind of play 
again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to harp on this play because that would have made it 7-7. Seven to seven. If they score. If they score. And they, there's no guarantee they would have scored on first and goal from the from the three because Penn State's defense is great in the red zone. But as a veteran quarter, you can't you can't make that mistake, man. You you cannot go down a yard short in, in that situation. And that was just a really poor decision. And you have to know the situation too. And that was something that, that Lee also mentioned after the game. This is, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first times, if not the first time, that that Kevon Lee was able to speak with the media because as a freshman you're really not allowed to talk to pretty much anybody outside of the organization outside the program um at penn state but he mentioned he was uh, on his play it was third and one and and he could have gotten that yard but he didn't know the situation and when you run that up-tempo offense yeah. it's very it, it if you're not kind of with it um is, or, or or able to look up you know you're not you might not know the situation, and that's something that you know you have to know that going into it. Hey, this is down in distance, but when you're when you're going up high paced, it's very hard to 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 know what's going on. Well, before we get to uh, the defense, which I want to spend some time on, wrapping up the offense here, John Dodson is is just a special player. I, <laughs> I've I've covered Penn State for a little less than twenty years. Um, the best receiver Penn State has ever had, in my opinion, was Allen Robinson. I think yes. Allen Robinson is a sensational receiver. When you're talking about 90 plus catches in college uh, and the career he's had in the NFL, Allen Robinson to me is the best current Penn State player in the NFL. People can talk Saquon Barkley, but Allen Robinson has put up the numbers. And longevity wise, That's too, right. every year after year. And yeah. When's the last time he had a really good And Allen Robinson really kind of came out of nowhere the one year to have, I think, 70, 77 catches or so the one year and then 97 the next year for the record. John Dotson has kind of done that. He, he had a nice year last year under the radar, third team all Big Ten, which I thought was ridiculous. Now, Mel Kuyper Jr. this week rated him the best receiver in college football uh, and, and the number eight prospect on his big board for the NFL draft. John Dodson is a, a really special guy. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm fortunate I vote for the Heisman, and I also vote for the Blitnikoff Award, which goes to the best receiver in the country every year. Um, if I had to vote right now, I'd vote for John Dotson. I think John Dotson right now is the best receiver in the country. Uh, now, he may not have Devontae Smith kind of numbers like Alabama did last year, and a lot of times those guys will win these awards. But when you throw the ball to John Dotson, Jared, he's going to catch every damn pass. I'm pretty sure he has actually caught every yeah, pass yeah, this year. I, mean, I don't think no he has drops, any yeah. drops. Um, but his catch in the back of the end zone Saturday night I thought was just super impressive because he goes up, catches the ball, and usually you're taught as a receiver to catch and tuck. He catches it, sticks it, and gets his foot down. That's a touchdown, Penn State, boom. Yeah. But they're going to need a lot more from the offense if they want to go into Kinnick and win just like they did in 2019. And we'll talk about well, the Well, hang Iowa. on, because I do want to mention the Clifford to Dodson record. 18 career touchdown passes between the two, which set the Penn State record for a quarterback and wide receiver. They've played a lot of football together, and that's a pretty special record for those two because uh, James Franklin mentioned this with all the great players that have come through Penn mm-hmm. State over time. Todd Blackledge, who was calling the game tonight, he held that record at 17 with Kenny Jackson. Mm-hmm. I mean, two legendary names in Penn State history. I, I hope that John Dodson goes down as a legendary name in Penn State history. I think he will, and I think what could happen next week in Kinnick is going to help him cement that legacy because I do expect him to have a big game against Iowa. He'll have to. And we're going to talk about that here when we come back after this quick break. 
on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey, it's Iowa week. It's a hostile environment uh, at Kinnick Stadium. Luckily, it's a 4 p.m. game, 3 p.m. in Iowa. The pink locker rooms, the the Kinnick wave. There's just so much going on. It's going to be very exciting. We're recording this uh, early morning here um, on a Sunday. It's very well possible that this is a 3-4 matchup Mm -hmm. next week. How can Penn State beat Iowa? They won't. And that may upset or frustrate a lot of people. Uh, but I, I picked Iowa at the beginning of the year. I think Iowa has a better football team than Penn State. And I think Iowa will win. And if I'm wrong, fine. People, people like to say, ah, God, are you picking again? Look, I think Iowa's outstanding. I think Iowa is a more complete football team than Penn State, and I think Iowa's going to beat them. Now, can Penn State win? Absolutely. Here's the key. The key is the defense for Penn State. Penn State's defense is a championship-caliber defense. There's no weaknesses on that defense. I had concerns about the defensive line coming into the year. If they're going to go to Iowa and win, first of all, the defense is going to have to play very, very well, uh, and that secondary is outstanding. But, but um, I, I look at this game, and we can talk about a lot of different facets it starts on defense, and the second component, Jared, is Penn State has got to protect the football. Iowa has 12 interceptions. Uh, Iowa turns people over. Look, I never necessarily thought Maryland was legit. Um, in that Friday, that Friday night game, Iowa just housed them 51-14, all kinds of interceptions, and, and just and pummeled Maryland. But to me, that, that is a team that can throw the ball well, run the ball well, defend well. They've got a really good place kicker who was kicking. I mean, that's that's a solid team, Jared. Right, and listen, Penn State's not going to go into Iowa City and, and put up seven turnovers. No. Um, I don't think that's going to happen by any means. And, and yeah, I think, you know, you're trying to figure out who your team is. I mean, the Big Ten, you play that conference game at the beginning of the season. Uh, Penn State beats a Wisconsin team that at the time was thought to be good. That's proved to be a lie, as if this was the Mari Povich show. Um, they play Ball State. <laughs> That's good. They, That's fall, a good one. they play Auburn, and Auburn is is up and down. Um, I mean, they're a good. They're an SEC team that was not intimidated by the the environment at Beaver Stadium, and I think that's a big key for Penn State. A lot of times, when you go into uh, into an environment like Kinnick Stadium, that's no that's notorious for being a loud, raucous environment. Yeah. Um, Penn State's not going to be intimidated. No. They're used to playing those big games. They're, they're used to that. And I think that's that's really going to be a big factor uh, for the Nittany Lions because they don't have to, they're not going to be intimidated. They're not going to have to worry about, like, say, Michigan a couple of years ago with a whiteout where they're calling a timeout right before or before the first play. So they're not going to be intimidated by that. Sean Clifford, if he can manage the game and, and make some plays, I think they I think they do have a better than average chance uh, to to get a win. Absolutely, they can win. I'm not saying they can't. I just don't think they will. I don't want to see some damn six to four game either. 
Uh, but I do think both of these defenses are good. Iowa has lived off the turnovers, mm-hmm. uh, and so if Penn State protects the ball, then, then and you force it into a kind of a lower scoring game, which I do think it will be. Hey, look, uh, then, then every possession kind of matters. I don't think Iowa's going to be giving up forty and fifty yard touchdown passes like Wisconsin did. But here's what I kind of want to get into with this discussion, Jared. Of Penn State's five and zero. What do we truly know about Penn State? Do, do we do we truly know that Penn State is a really good football team, Jared? I'll just ask you that point blank. You can use whatever criteria you want. Do we know for sure that Penn State is a really good football team? You know, that's a really good question, Corey. And I know defensively, Penn State's checked off every box. Yes, Secondary, defensively, yep. defensively, they're great. But you, but to play football, it's a team game. You got to play both sides. Special teams has been an issue. I think Jordan Stout played pretty well tonight. Uh, had a fifty-yarder that that he, that he banged home. Uh, he's, he's consistently gotten better in that regard. Punting has has not been an issue. So I think two out of three are 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 pretty good. Now, offensively, mm-hmm. they finally established the run, which is something that they were desperately trying to do. Um, and they went for some home runs, but Indiana did a great job of, of taking away the big play. Uh, you know, it's funny, we were talking before we before we started recording, Jahan Dotson had the second longest pass play of the game. And yes, that's you, <laughs> you, you heard me correctly. He had a pass for 21 yards um, uh, earlier in the game, or to, I believe it was Keandre Lambert-Smith. Um, but or in the fourth quarter. Was it Smith or Washington? It was either it was Washington, I think. What's or, interesting yeah. is I don't know why they showed that. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's any reason to have run that play. It looked good. Yeah. But why don't you save that for Iowa next week? This, this game was over. Okay? Right. And, so, and they have I, and shown I, that play before. They have shown it before, but... I, I, it's, it's just one. That was a, that was a peculiar thing, and I love John Dotson. Believe me, I just don't know that that why, why you would necessarily want to do that in this game. Right, and you know, hey, it, I think that's one of the things that we do know is that Mike Yersich likes to get cute. I like it with some of the play calls, and and they've been in positions the all season. The shovel pass at the goal line, which yes. was called on a penalty, but man, I love that call. That was that was an extremely clever design. The Warren cat. Um, it, it didn't work out as planned today, or uh, I'm sorry, on Saturday night. But he's shown a tendency to get kind of cute with his play calling. Uh, they've been in positions where they can afford to be cute mm-hmm. and not have it cost them. Um, now, a couple times, like third and one, they go for the home run rather than just getting the first yeah, down. I don't like that. But again, you're dominating. You're dominating Indiana regularly um, on the defensive side of the football. Go ahead and be aggressive. That's not going to work necessarily against Iowa. Now, Iowa has been known to get turnovers and large sums. They got three, I think, in the toughest game that they had to play to date, which was against a number nine ranked Iowa State team in week two. I think this is going to be the toughest matchup for Iowa thus far. Absolutely, because Penn State's defense is really good. And so when I asked the question of, is Penn State a really, really good team? I don't think we know that yet. After five weeks, I just don't think – look, I, I, I've written extensively about this. I think Wisconsin is pretty bad. Auburn did go get a nice win Saturday night at LSU, so that win looks a little bit better. But Penn State hasn't beaten a great team. 
Uh, Iowa's got a huge win over Indiana. I just don't think Indiana's very good. And then they do have the win over Iowa State, and they pummeled Maryland. But don't forget about Kent State. Yeah, right. But other than other than the Iowa State win, I you know Iowa. There's still some questions about them as well. So this is going to be – it's funny because you're talking about the num- probably the number three and four teams in the country, depending on when the, the rankings come out. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet there are still some questions about both of these teams if, if they're truly legit. Alabama and Georgia are clearly, clearly one and two. And I, you know, we'll talk about this later. I, I could put Georgia one, but – but once you get to everybody else, you're, you've still got to find out some questions. And I tell you, I, I've been looking forward to this week, Jared, really since the beginning of the season. Because once Penn State beat Wisconsin, then you start to look. I, I figured they'd beat Auburn. I figured they'd pummel Indiana because of the revenge factor. I've been focused on this game and, and finding – because remember, Iowa pounded Penn State at Beaver mm-hmm. Stadium last year in the game Sean Clifford was benched for the first mm-hmm. half. So I, I just think having been to Kinnick a number of times, and I hate that we're not going because I would I would love to be there for this game, but I, I just think this could be a really fascinating game, really for both of these teams to see where they are. Well, Penn State's won nine in a row since that yeah, time. Yeah, And I, listen, the defensively, Penn State is is as good as any in the in the country. Offensively, we still haven't reached we haven't reached the the ceiling of Penn State football's offense. And I think that's, you know, we're still seeing Wait, something. Wait, are you seems- saying that the season is going to come down to Sean Clifford? Nobody thought that. Well, hey, we <laughs> thought the season was going to be over because of Sean Clifford. Yeah, I mean, look, this season, we this, it's been the question. Is Sean Clifford going to be able to go to Iowa and win? Is Sean Clifford going to be able to go Again. to Ohio State and win? Can, can he can he do that and and prove it consistently? Because again, the running game, I don't know how strong it's going to be. It's going to come down to Clifford, right? And and he's done his, his maturation this year. I think has been probably the most impressive. You know, you can look at, at a lot of the improved guys. John Dotson's is advertised. Um, Parker Washington, I think, is as advertised. I think Penn State wants to get him a little bit more involved in the game. Um, uh, Keontre Lambert-Smith, I think, has improved greatly. The tight ends have been really good. They didn't really feature them all too often in the in the second half. But Sean Clifford is is the offense. He go the offense goes as he goes, and he's been making some incredible decisions. Uh, you know, obviously the strange touchdown where he's stepping up right to the line of scrimmage, making that deep pa- or making that pass, making that smart throw, getting that yeah. linebacker to come up and bite like he's going to run, and that's what happens when you're a dual threat guy. You know, he's making good decisions with his arm, his feet. Um, you know, he's like I said, the maturation process for for Sean Clifford has been impressive, and I and you would hope that you know as a three year starter, that's part of it. But also, I think Mike Yersich deserves some credit too, um, and I think that's that's really the most important thing so far. But again, it's this is you know conference game number three. They still have games against um, Illinois. Blah 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 blah. But they've got Iowa, obviously, this week. They've got Illinois. They've got Michigan. Michigan. Michigan Michigan State's going to be tough. Obviously, Ohio State is circled. We talked about the games you circle on the calendar. Ohio State's circled in red and and everything, and that's not just because it's the color of the jersey that they're wearing. That's the game that's going to come down to, hey, what kind of team are we? Because now it's... If Penn State goes into Iowa and they lose to the number four-ranked team or three-ranked team... It doesn't matter. That's right. I, I, I got to put this out there. I'm going to write about this week. It literally does not matter if Penn State beats Iowa. It does not. If Penn State loses to Iowa and wins at Ohio State and goes 11 and one, 
they're in the Big Ten championship game, and if they win the Big Ten championship game, I have every reason to believe they'll be in the playoff. So Penn State can go. Now, you don't want to lose by 20 or 30 and give it any. But it's so bizarre because we're talking about this, and we're going to find out. But if Penn State loses to Iowa, there is still every bit of a, of a great path to the college football playoff. But, but you cannot beat Iowa and then lose to Ohio State. Correct. Then your path could, could be blocked. Right, and, and I think that's the important thing, too, to note is if they go into Kinnick and lose by a score or maybe even 10 points. Not bad. That's Seriously. good. I mean, if you, if you lose by a score at Kinnick, you, you probably can still feel good about yourself. And again, then October 30th against Ohio State, right. there's your season. Yes, and, and obviously you're playing Michigan at home. Then you're on the road for the prestigious land-grant trophy uh, in um, East Lansing. So <laughs> there's you know there's so much still left to play for. Obviously, you know we're five weeks into the season. Penn State has not played a complete game. We say this every game. You know, it is what it is, but they haven't. James Franklin has mentioned that they haven't. So that's why I think there's another layer to this offense that we haven't seen. And and I, I, I mentioned my conversation with uh, with Kevon Lee at the end of the game, and his eyes lit up when I said when I asked him about kind of what's what's next for this offense because you know yeah. they finally established a little bit of the run game, which I thought you know was important in in coming out and scoring early, which I, I mentioned in your in one of your preview pieces as far as uh, my predictions go. Um, but this Iowa this Iowa game is what's been what's been circled on the schedule. Uh, first big time conference game outside of Wisconsin. What can we expect from Penn State? I do think Iowa wins. You asked a good question of what's next for the offense. It's got to be the short yardage situation. Mm -hmm. If they can find a way to get short yardage, uh, to converge on short yardage situations on the ground, then I think this Penn State team takes the next step. Will they do that against Iowa? Again, I, I, I want to get your pick on this, so I'll give you a second to, chant, to, to think about if you're going to pick Penn State or Iowa. I'm picking Iowa, but I do just want to say before we close this segment how much respect I have for Kurt Ferentz. Oh, absolutely. Kurt Ferentz is the longest-tenured coach in, in the Big Ten, and I think, I think he might be in the entire country. Kurt Ferentz, I used to have 10, 10 12 years ago – Ferentz used to bother me because he played this slow, methodical 1988 style of football. Uh, and, and that's not the kind of football I want to watch, Jared. Everybody knows I love offense. I don't want to see six to four. Nobody wants to see your eyes bleed watching that nonsense. Kirk Ferentz is adjusted. Watching Iowa, they throw the ball on third, first and second down now. They, they, mm-hmm. they throw to set up the run. Kirk Ferentz has made some adjustments. He's still going to be conservative in, some, in a lot of situations. But Iowa is Iowa. You know what you're going to get with, with, with Iowa. It was this way with Hayden Fry, and it's this way with Kirk Ferentz. They are going to be tough sons of guns. They're going to line up and punch you in the mouth. You are not going to out-physical Iowa. Penn State is not going to out-physical Iowa. Ohio State is not going to out-physical Iowa. Penn State might have better players and better athletes. Ohio State might have better players and better athletes. But Iowa is going to line up against anybody, and they're going to give you their all. It is, it is what that program is built on, two- and three-star guys. But you know what? They don't beat themselves. And, and I, just, I, I, I used to be hard on Kirk Ferentz, but I'll tell you what. The last six, seven years, I've really come to respect him and what he's accomplished there. And, you know, you mentioned Hayden Fry. and The Hayden Fry coaching tree is 
incredibly impressive. You've got Ferenc. You've got Bob Stoops. You've got both Stoops, actually. Mark Stoops, Mark. I believe, um, was there, too. You've got Bill Snyder. You've got Barry Alvarez. Um, Brett Bielema. And and then you've you from Stoops obviously you got Mike Leach too. And when Kirk retires, his son Brian, I'm guessing, will probably take over right. as the and, head coach. And you know, it, the funny, the I think one of the cool things about Iowa is obviously there it's a program you know steeped in tradition, right? And what's cool to me is Hayden Fry reached out to Mr. Rooney. Uh, I know this is a Pittsburgh-based podcast, but he reached out to Mr. Rooney and asked if the Hawkeyes could model their jerseys off of the Steelers. Oh, that's a good story. I didn't and know that. You know, in doing some research again for Iowa or and uh, leading up to the game last year, you know that that to me is is really cool. That is neat. Um, but you know, Herky the Hawkeye and and all the everything about that is is what makes Kirk Ferentz I think awesome because first of all longevity and yep. you know you you want to talk about longevity in, in any in any career in any job field or, or anything really, and he's been there since 1999. That's and and before that. Fry was there from 78 to 98. I do got to say this, because I want your pick before we end this segment here, but uh, I grew up watching the show Coach. You ever watch Coach? Yes. I, every time, and I, 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 I'm even a, every time I say Hayden Fry, I have to catch myself to not say Hayden Fox, because <laughs> I loved, I love Coach, Craig T. Nelson, Luther, and Dauber. That show was friggin' awesome, man. I'll tell you what. He takes Minnesota State, the Screaming Eagles. They win a national championship. He jumps ship, him and Christine. I love Christine. That was a beautiful woman, Shelly Fabre. And uh, he goes to Orlando and coaches a pro team. That was a great. But anyway, my point is his name was Hayden Fox. Anytime I ever think of the legendary Iowa coach, <laughs> I have to stop myself and not call him Hayden Fox. Corey's getting a little excited here. Um, That's a great so, show, Jared. I know. It's a, uh, listen, you, if you're late, man, if you're 25 minutes into our podcast here, and if you've never seen Coach, you got to go watch Coach. Corey, I, be- I believe I've been told this is about the time where, where toddlers start to fall asleep after <laughs> listening to me. Um, but we'll get to my prediction, and I think Penn State goes into Kinnick and wins. I, and I think this because I think this is the time. This is the game where we see the offense click. This is the time we see the offense click on all cylinders. Clifford's got experience in Kinnick, and Penn State's got experience in big games. This this is a team that's I think battle tested, which is something that they really haven't seen going into Iowa in quite some time. And guess what? You want to talk about a revenge game against Indiana? This Iowa team, their Pumble program man. embarrassed them. Yeah. At home yeah. in front of 20,000 cardboard fans last year. So I think that's, you know, you want to talk about bulletin board material. That score in itself, I think, it was is 41 21. Is that right? I, I, I think it was 41. Yeah. We don't have that right in front. I think it was 41 21, but they look good. And they were absolutely embarrassed in Beaver Stadium. So I think that's, that's why I think Penn State's going to win. But we're going to talk about what's going on around the rest of the country here um, in the next segment. So after this quick break, we'll be right back with the last and final segment of the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the final segment of the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. If you're a one-year-old to four-year-old and you are still awake, thank you for listening. If not, 
Um, good night and enjoy your nap. Um, but Corey, let's talk about some things that happened around the world of college football because the Big Ten was shaken up in quite a big way Saturday afternoon and, and Saturday night. You know, I, I, I take a look at Ohio State. I want to start with them before we get into Michigan, Wisconsin, and some of these other teams. I, I just, from Penn State's perspective, I wish Penn State could have played Ohio State already. Um, Ohio State destroyed Rutgers on Saturday. I think Ohio State's got some things figured out. They had problems offensively. <clears throat> and I think Ohio State, by the time October 30th rolls around, that's just going to be a really, really difficult challenge, as it always is. But, man, Michigan and Wisconsin, Michigan destroyed Wisconsin. Wisconsin just looked like absolute garbage. Wisconsin can't run the ball. Now, Michigan is good, has good defense, but, Jared, when Wisconsin can't run the ball, Oof. you um, Nope. Oof, 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 yeah, I tell you, I mean, you almost yeah. think like you're in the twilight zone or like hell's frozen over or something. And Graham Mertz has just been terrible, and he ends up getting hurt. I hope he's okay. But, man, I mean, Michigan really embarrassed them. <laughs> to pivot from Mertz, let's talk a little bit about Jack Cohn and Notre yeah. Dame. Notre Dame gets shellacked at home by Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And, you know, that's uh, – that's now Cincinnati's the seventh-ranked seventh team in the state. They were up – or in the country, I should say um, – they were up 17 nothing uh, on Notre Dame at the half in South Bend. Yep. That that shouldn't happen. But, you know, I think the, the other thing to note, and this doesn't really pertain to Notre Dame because they don't believe in playing in a conference, but now you're seeing how important getting those wins in conference play is, but also the facade that it creates that teams are actually good. Because you're not playing anybody, you're not you're playing the the you know the little sisters of the poor of the world, and you know when that happens, you get a false sense of, of hope. But you know, looking at Notre Dame, they get shellacked. Um, Oregon gets beaten in overtime by Stanford. That's huge. That's huge because, okay, let's play this out a little bit. By the way, uh, I do think Georgia is the best team in the country right now, and that's look. I I know what Alabama's got, but I, I would say Georgia. Uh, right now, I would put them at one and Alabama two. Beyond those two, I just think there's a big drop-off. And Oregon loses to Stanford. By the way, Joe Moorhead, the former Penn State offensive coordinator, he missed a game with with a sickness. We don't know exactly what it is. I, I read it was not COVID-related. So Oregon was really kind of disoriented there in some ways. But Oregon losing. All right. So if you take Alabama and Georgia, they'll meet in the SEC championship game, and you got to figure both can still get in. Even the loser can still get in the playoff. So that leaves two more spots with Oregon losing. So now you've got Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, uh, uh, Cincinnati, Oregon. I don't know if Oregon's got enough left on the schedule because that Pac-12 is so bad. Oklahoma, but you've got that. That's a huge loss because instead of three teams, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, all having a, a, a clear path to the playoff, now you've kind of taken one of those teams away, Jared, and that opens some things up for again a Cincinnati, uh, keeping Oklahoma in the mix, Penn State, Iowa, Ohio State. Right. You mentioned Alabama and Georgia playing in the SEC championship game. I think as long as things go according to plan, that's going to happen. And I do think there is a significant drop off, obviously, with Oregon losing. Penn State and Iowa, let's be real here. The Big Ten and the SEC, I think, are the two best conferences thus far. Yeah, sure. And and that and that's not just that's not just because Ohio State's highly ranked and the normal Iowa or Wisconsin. That's that's because you know <laughs> Penn State still has ranked games against. I would uh, was going to imagine it's going to be Michigan State, Michigan, 
Ohio State and um, in a, you know in Iowa. And when that happens, man, that's <laughs> there's no other conference other than the SEC where that's happening. You can look at the top twenty five, and there's nothing that impresses me about the Pac twelve right now. Um, obviously, Oregon had that big win against. Ohio State to to um, and week two I believe it was and let's be c- completely honest, um, Oregon was is has shown time and time again that they're that they're beatable, um, but Georgia dismantled Arkansas. Yeah, Georgia looked great. Arkansas and that, Arkansas really struggled there. And Arkansas Here, is the eighth ranked team in the country. Here's Cincinnati's schedule. All right, Temple, UCF, which. Which lost to Navy. I get, look. I can't help but laugh at that. I've never fully bought into UCF, but UCF lost to Navy today. Then, then uh, since he has Navy, uh, is this coast? No, Tulane. I mean, look at Cincinnati's going undefeated. Cincinnati's yes. going undefeated. The so, fighting fickle. So you, look, you, I mean, they've they've literally got nobody left. Tulsa, South Florida, SMU. SMU's pretty good, and then East Carolina. If Cincinnati goes undefeated, they're your third team. So you've got Georgia, Alabama, and then Cincinnati has by far the best path. So that I think now, you've got to get them in if they're if they're undefeated, right? So then it's then you've got Oklahoma, Penn State, Iowa, Ohio State, all playing for one spot. And one of those is going to have at least one loss. Yeah. So, so what, yeah, you got you, you, if you're Penn State, if you're anybody in the Big Ten, you're hoping Oklahoma slips up. Oklahoma is fallible. That is not a super strong team. They seem to <laughs> they've, play. Close. They've won. They've won every week, and but they have fallen in the ranks. But they have won, and that's the <laughs> right. thing. So Ohio State's already got a loss. Penn State or Iowa will have a loss. Oregon's got a loss. You need Oklahoma to have a loss because, again, if it's Alabama, Georgia, and then Cincinnati with this crap schedule they've got the rest of the way, if that's three, if Oklahoma goes undefeated, they're four, and that's it. And that's it, unless Penn State beats Iowa and Ohio State. And that's when I wrote this a few weeks ago. That is why Ohio State losing to Oregon hurt the Big Ten because – Again, there's a there's a path there for four teams other than and maybe the Big Ten gets left out. Well, and let's talk a little bit about Oklahoma. Who I've not been overly impressed with Oklahoma or Spencer Rattler, their quarterback. Um, I do I do admire Lincoln Riley and, and the job that he's done in, in picking up after Bob Stoops. And and obviously yeah, you go you go from Baker Mayfield to Jalen Hurts to um, to Spencer Rattler, and there's a big drop off between Hurts, who's an NFL quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who's an NFL quarterback. Their schedule doesn't get any harder either. Um, you know, looking at their schedule look, moving Te- forward. At Texas. Texas, versus, I think that'll be the toughest game. Versus TCU. TCU. Then they team. have a practice game against Kansas. Kansas. Texas Tech at Baylor. And then versus Ohio State. Iowa and State. Then, uh, Iowa State and then at Oklahoma. I mean, there's some there's some losable game. There's, you know, and so what you're going to need is Oklahoma to, to slip up in one of them. And this is a team that has not won – out other higher than single digits, other than when they dismantled Western Carolina seventy six to nothing. They do go to Texas. That's always a, a, a showdown, and that's uh that's next week. And so uh, Texas, if Texas could beat them, that would really help all these Big Ten teams. And that by that, because again, I, I want to I want to go back to what I said earlier. Penn State can lose to Iowa. And then still win, beat Ohio State, and, and get to the Big Ten Championship game. And there is a path there mm-hmm. unless Oklahoma goes under. Unless you've got so, Cincinnati and Oklahoma both going let, Let's look at this like this now. 
if Oklahoma is undefeated, do you like their schedule, their their quality wins over, let's say, an Iowa or say a Penn State who you know is an undefeated team will get in over a one loss team. Period. That's just the way it goes. An o- an undefeated Oklahoma will get in over a one loss Penn State. I have no doubt about that. And an undefeated Cincinnati, even with now, there's their a schedule. question. There's a question there. That that would be the question. Cincinnati kind of got overlooked last year, um, and so that, there clearly would be a question there because the rest of their schedule is not good. This Notre Dame. That's why that Notre Dame win was huge for them. So I mean, look, we could play out all these kinds of scenarios, but if you've got an undefeated Cincinnati and a one-loss Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Oklahoma. Um, boy, I, I'll i sit here and tell you that Ohio State's better than Cincinnati. And I'll sit here and tell you that I think Penn State or Iowa might be better than Cincinnati. But if they're undefeated, Jared, I, it's boy, that, that would that's going to be a very interesting scenario. Right. And, and I would be remiss if we did not mention that the Fighting Will Levises took down number 10-ranked Florida in Lexington today, or on, on Saturday. They beat them 20-13. to 13. Of course, the Fighting Little Levises are the Kentucky Wildcats, most notably known for, you know, basketball. But their football team's doing pretty well this year. Well, I, I, I feel good for that dude, but I'll tell you, he is one gross dude. He is absolutely disgusting. Not only eating the damn bananas with the peel on <laughs> and all rotten, this week he had a TikTok video where he's pouring mayonnaise in his coffee and drinking his coffee. Will Levis, good for you, man, but you are freaking gross, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Did you know that there are TikTok challenges for high schoolers now? Yeah. I, this month, I, slap a staff member on the slap, butt. Oh, my God. That's, Do you know that's what's a, awesome about being assault, a school brother. teacher, Corey? Maybe I'll get slapped on Monday. Oh, man. Is there one about, like, doing damage to a school property or something? Yeah, that's, get, there's a challenge I, in the bathrooms. Yeah, I don't want to get into all that with and, uh, some sports and stuff. And there's, if, if, there's a little something going on at a local school here. If, that, if that you want to laugh a little bit, go ahead and look at look at December's. It's not appropriate for podcasts, but uh, let's just keep in mind that would it runs put, with Deck the Halls. Would you ever put mayonnaise in coffee? No, that's disgusting, I, man. First of all, I don't like coffee, so no, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Oh, well, I I wouldn't, Levis, I wouldn't dude. Make, dude. Uh, that's a different type of creamer. I I, I, I like Will Levis, but man, that, that dude's funny. That's great. Um, but you know, it's we're seeing this now. Back to let's get a little bit more serious. Let's talk about top ten. You know, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking here that on these polls that come out later today. Where do you think Penn State's going to end up? So it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, and then I do think. I mean, Penn State was fourth. Uh, the style it was twenty four nothing. Yeah, we can sit here and say you know some problems, but I think they'll move up from fourth to third, and I think Iowa moves up from fifth to fourth, unless Cincinnati jumps Iowa. Uh, that's possible. Cincinnati was seven. Uh, it's possible that Cincinnati could go from seven and even jump Oklahoma and Iowa all the way up to five, maybe. Um, I mean, that's again, I think we're in a situation where people want to root for the underdogs a little bit, Jared. And Luke Fickle's a great coach. Desmond Ritter, their quarterback, is a terrific player. So there, there could be a push from coaches and, and media members. 
to 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 push Cincinnati. Now, whether or not the college football playoff committee does that when we get the rankings next month for the first time, that remains to be seen. But I, I wonder how much love Cincinnati will start to get. Well, and that's the other thing too, Corey. Let's you know, let's break this down because there are two polls. You have right now. You have the AP top twenty-five. Penn State's ranked number four. Okay. You have the coaches poll. Penn State's ranked six. I don't give a damn about the coaches' poll. I will flat out tell you right now. I think the coaches' poll is ridiculous because you hear so many stories about coaches who just let the SIDs do the voting. Okay, I think the coaches' poll. I think the coaches' poll is a sham. I, I will be flat honest with you. I think these coaches will do things to screw over somebody. They'll, they'll lose to somebody, and then to screw them over, they'll drop them in their in their poll. I think the coaches' poll is ridiculous. Now, people can say that about the media poll too. Whatever. I think the media members spend the appropriate amount of time to rank these people where they should be ranked. I've heard horror stories about coaches' polls and how a lot of these coaches. Jared, do you think these coaches? He James Franklin. Finn Finish playing his game at 11 o'clock at night. You think he really gives a rat's you-know-what about going to fill out a coach's poll and where Coastal Carolina belongs? No way. I think he fills it out before the game. <laughs> well, maybe. Before I think, his I think walk around the stadium. I don't know about him specifically, but I've heard a lot of stories where SID coaches just say, hey, you take care of this. I'll give you a final set sign-off on it. Right, and, and – you know, when you look at and you evaluate the polls, these polls don't matter. It's the college football playoff poll that really matters. Yes, yeah, that's what matters. And, be... and we still are a couple of weeks away from that. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think, and hey, look, uh, would, it, would it be stunning if Georgia keeps doing this? I, I want to know where that margin between Alabama and Georgia is. Right, and you look at, let's say, let's look at Georgia. They dismantled Arkansas, which was Arkansas, Woopig Suey. Eighth-ranked team in the country. They beat them 37 to nothing yeah. tonight. Clemson. Now, Clemson's tonight. got a lot of offensive problems. Clemson's terrible. Yeah, the ACC as a whole is terrible. Although, Kenny Pickett and Pitt, this is going to be weird talking good about Pitt on a Penn State podcast. Oh. They've showed up since Western Michigan. They got their embarrassing loss out of the way. Now they're just going to be doing their, their typical this. I don't know how much time we got, but this is a great discussion. Would you rather have Kenny Pickett or Sean Clifford? Because Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett has was tremendous today. They destroyed Georgia Tech 300 yards passing in the first half. Now, look, I know he had a bunch of numbers against New Hampshire, and I throw those out the window. But Kenny Pickett is going to start getting a lot. I know that some of the other Pittsburgh media members uh, are really harping on, on on Kenny Pickett. Who would you rather have, Kenny Pickett or Sean Clifford? I'd rather have. I'm not sure who I'd rather have, Corey. That's a good. That's a good. We 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 need to revisit this as the season goes on because I think both of these guys were really question marks coming into the year, and I give both of them a lot of credit. Right now, I would for Penn State, I would rather take Sean Clifford. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Kenny Pickett keeps this up, I mean, I, I you know I don't know how in the hell they lost to Western Michigan. I didn't watch that game, but their defense gave up a bunch of points. But the point is. Both Sean Clifford and Kenny Pickett came into this season with major question marks, and maybe both have, are turning themselves into NFL quarterbacks this year, Jared. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's worth a shot. I mean, you look at the, this quarterback class, I don't think is very strong. But I think, you know, both quarterbacks could be very serviceable at the next level. I mean, you look at former Penn State quarterbacks that, that are in the NFL, and you see Trace McSorley, who's um, with the Ravens, and I, I'm not sure that he's on the active roster. Um, Christian Hackenberg is a coach. Um, 
And, you know, it is one of those things. Matt McGloin started Matt McGloin, yeah. six games in the NFL, man. A zero-star recruit. Look at, look, at, uh, look at Pitt. You got Nate Peterman. Um, I think Pickett. I think Pickett has the the best chance at longevity in the NFL. Uh, I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that wows you. No, but he could stay. But but, but and again, I know we're but, getting off subject here a little bit. But good for Pitt because yes. Pitt Pitt that's a dangerous team. Again, I don't know and, what happening is. And Western let's be Michigan. real, the ACC is terrible this yeah, year. Yeah. So you know the best team in the ACC was supposed to be Clemson. Well, they're struggling. Then you look at North Carolina; they're terrible too. I'll just wrap up by saying this. College football is nuts this year. It, it's nuts. We, everybody kind of wants parity. They want situations where anybody can beat anybody in a given week. Hey, outside of Alabama and Georgia, you got it this year, man. Now, yeah, we talk about parity all the time, and and I think that's what makes college football so great, and I think that's what's going to make this season even more spectacular because there's a lot that can and will happen and I think a lot of it, a lot of the dominoes are going to start to fall here this week when Penn State rolls into Kinnick Stadium for their 4, 4 p.m. kickoff. Now, before we go, I do want it to be known that I am now 5-0 and in my picks this year. Um, Corey is 4-1. and I picked Wisconsin to beat them. So, I didn't realize Wisconsin was trash, <laughs> but uh, I'm picking Iowa. And I'm picking Penn State, so one of us is going to be moving um, you know, up in the rankings, maybe I'll get a, an even bigger lead because we are playing for dinner. Um, so if you'd like to donate right. to uh, to our cause and make us, you know, the winner get some really good food, by all means, please continue to listen to the We Are podcast. I want to ask you before we go, who was your favorite character on Coach? Either Hayden, Christine, Dauber, or Luther. Who was your favorite character? 100% it was Hayden because I know you're going to take Christine. I, I love Shelly. I'm taking I'm taking Luther Van Dam. That dude was freaking. Jerry Van Dyke. He was hilarious. Jerry Van Dyke it. was I love Jerry funny. Van Dyke, man. All right. <laughs> so all, all coaching and, and, uh, talk aside, all coach talk aside, this has been uh, the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. For Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Pogar. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please subscribe, rate, listen, whatever you got to do. Um, we'll talk to you again next week after Penn State takes on Iowa at Kinnick Stadium.